Yo, today's QOD is where we struggle with perfectionism, we struggle with shame. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Brene Brown on the show today. And of course, she is talking about shame. If you're a perfectionist or you feel like you're unworthy, she's going to reveal to you how shame can be at the root, can be at the source of that. She's also going to talk about how you can become more shame resilient and the difference between shame and guilt. Brene Brown coming right up. So what I want to do is give you a window into shame and tell you a little bit about what shame is. The first, let me give you the quick three so you can breathe and pay attention to the next ones. We all have it. We're all afraid to talk about it. And the less we talk about it, the more we have it. Shame, we believe, is the most primitive human affect or emotion that we experience. We all have it. What we know from research about three or four decades now is the only people who don't experience shame have no capacity for human connection. If you don't experience shame, it's because you have no capacity for connection or empathy. And so what we're talking about there is kind of some serious psychopathology. So shame is something we all have. It drives two primary tapes or or, or kind of ways of thinking. The two big things that shame drives is never good enough and who do you think you are? And those are vices, let me tell you. Never good enough. You know, it's funny because if I said, how many of you wrestle with shame? No one would raise their hand. But if I said, how many of you struggle with perfectionism? That would be different, right? Would that feel different? Yeah, it would feel different. Shame, birthplace of perfectionism. Where we struggle with perfectionism, we struggle with shame. So this is a really universal thing for all of us. And it's really best easily understood as the fear of disconnection. There's something about me, there's something I've done or failed to do. You know, and it's in this culture where our self-worth is tied to our net worth, where everyone's houses are supposed to look like stills out of the Pottery Barn catalog. You know, how many of you, how many of you have received the fall Pottery Barn catalog? It's devastating to me. It is. <laughs> I just want for one, in one autumn, one autumn, for all the pumpkin crap to be outside and to have my kids in slow motion in sweaters. That's just one time, you know? We have a media that tells us what we should look like, how much we should make, what we should weigh, how many times a week we should be having sex. We got the rules. And no one's doing it, but everyone's pretending. The issue around shame is it's an absolute silent epidemic. It's so funny because no one will talk about shame, but if you look at the Nielsen ratings for the last five years, the shows that that really capture the top 10, shame-based programming, reality TV. I won't talk about what it felt like to be humiliated at work by my boss, but I'm sure as hell gonna watch you get voted off the island at eight o'clock. 
because there's something about that that feels kind of good. <laughs> and it's because I have no one to talk to about the fact that I got totally put down in, you know, in front of my colleagues today. Very quickly about men and women. There was some debate in the, there's some debate in the literature about if we experience shame differently. And so because you know, I had some respect for that, that, that question, I interviewed separately. And again, I've collected thousands of stories over the last 10 years. I'm a qualitative interviewing. I do like long interviews with people. And here's the thing about shame and gender. When that warm wash of inadequacy washes over me, it doesn't feel any different than if it were to wash over my husband or Ernie or any other guy in here. The issue about shame and gender is this. The messages and expectations that fuel shame are absolutely gender-related. For women, shame is about not being perfect, not being everything to everyone, not being able to do it all and smile the whole time, um, not being thin and quiet and helpful. And for men, and there's a lot of, well, for women, let me go back. There's a lot of competing and conflicting expectations that make it very impossible for women to meet the, these expectations, especially without disappointing somebody. For men, there's not a lot of competing and conflicting expectations. There's one under which men, I would argue, are suffocating, and that is do not be perceived as weak. Um, men have to be emotionally stoic. And it's funny because we set men up in the worst way, and I have to tell you, I had no interest in interviewing men at all. Um, I really didn't want to know. Um, and I always say it was an angry golfer, a small penis, and a wise feminist that made me do it. I was signing books at a book signing, and a woman came up and bought all these books, and her husband was with her, and he was about 60, and you'll never forget, yellow Izod golf sweater. She walked away with her books, and he stood there at the table, and he said, I'll be right with you um, to his wife. I'm going to ask her a question. And his wife looked at him and said, come on, babe. And he goes, I'm going to talk to her. And I could tell that I wanted him to go with her. Um, <laughs> and so I think I even did this. <laughs> like, dude, don't be rude. Go on. Um, and he said, I really loved what you said about telling your story, being honest reaching out, being vulnerable. The problem is that when men do that, we get the emotional shit beat out of us. I said, can I sign a book for you? Uh, you know, I didn't know what to say, so I just kind of sat there. And he said, I was just getting ready to say something. He said, before you say anything about those mean dads and those coaches, let me tell you about women. My wife and daughters had rather me die on top of that white horse than watch me fall off. So I was like, oh, it was just, it, you know, when truth hits you, you can't do much with it, but just kind of acknowledge it. And that's all I could do. So I fast forward a month and I'm getting my sonogram. I'm pregnant. I have a 10-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son and I'm pregnant. And I was sure I was having a girl because kind of the OB led on early to that. And the technician asked my daughter, what do you want? She said, I want a brother. The technician said, it's your lucky day. And I said, oh no, I'm having a girl. And he, she said, no, no, hon, you're not. And I said, no, I am. I, I, I make girls, you know, like reviving Ophelia. I, I teach that. I know that. Um, he goes, this is a boy. And look up on the screen. There's the little penis. And I was like, oh, my God, they can't be vulnerable. They die on the white horse. Oh, my, you know, what do I do? 
And finally, the wise feminist was a friend of mine who we were staring at Charlie, my son, one day, and she said, here's the thing. When we do nothing for men and boys, we, knew, we do nothing for, men, for girls and women. And I have to tell you that shame is shame. It doesn't pick a gender. Um, and one of the worst setups for, I think, for us in, in terms of male-female couples is this dynamic of, I feel shame as a woman. I feel like I'm not enough. And I kind of criticize and rage at you for not being enough and your shame trigger for men, that constant criti criticism, that constant ridicule, that constant you're not enough, you're not doing enough, do more, make more, be more, um, is devastating. And we get into these horrible, vicious cycles. So the hard thing is that you can't get rid of shame. Again, the only people who don't experience it have no capacity for human emotion. But what can you do? We can be resilient. And across my interviews, what I found is that men and women with high levels of shame resilience have things in common. They are, they understand shame. They know what triggers it. They absolutely talk about it. They use the word and they tell their story. You wanna know what courage is to me? What courage is to me is the ability to tell your story and like who you are in the process of doing that. And that's hard. Men and women who have high levels of shame resilience, what I found, and this is the work I've been doing for the last three years, have a tendency to have more authenticity, they live with a deeper sense of love and belonging, and they have a much more resilient spirit. And I think those are the things we're after. I think we wanna feel comfortable in our own skin I think we want a sense of, a deep sense of love and belonging. I think it's a basic human need. And I'll tell you very quickly, if you were to ask me just from the data, what is the difference between people who have a deep sense of love and belonging and people who are struggling for it? The answer would be worthiness. That's the only difference. Men and women who carry a deep sense of love and belonging within them believe that they're worthy of love and belonging. The trick is no prerequisites not when I make partner, not when I lose 20 pounds, not if I get pregnant, not if my husband comes back, not if my daughter gets into Yale, not if I make the Fortune 500, no prerequisites, just as is right now, worthy of love and belonging. And the last thing is a resilient spirit. That is an absolute outcome of being able to live in your story. You know, we get to rewrite the endings of our stories if we're willing to walk into them and own them. It's a powerful thing. Shame versus guilt very quickly, and this is, this is really important. A lot of people confuse these two. The difference between shame and guilt is the difference between I am bad and I did something bad. If, how many of you in the audience, if you made a mistake and hurt someone's feelings, how many of you would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake? Show of hands. How many of you, if you made that mistake, would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I am a mistake? That's the difference between shame and guilt. Here's what we know, three decades of research. Shame, highly correlated. Addiction, violence, depression, bullying, and eating disorders. Guilt, inversely correlated, meaning people who have a healthy sense of guilt, I'm not gonna say, God, I'm so stupid. I'm gonna say, wow, that was really stupid. Do great, they do much better on these indicators. The implications for this around parenting are huge. 
we can measure whether people are guilt-prone or shame-prone. And guess what the number one predictor variable is of whether you're going to be shame-prone or guilt-prone? Parenting style. That was Brene Brown. Her website is brenebrown.com. She's got a brand new book coming up real soon on November 30th. It is called Atlas of the Heart, Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. You can pre-order that today at amazon.com. Also, you can check out today's entire talk on YouTube. It's called Brene Brown at the Up Experience 2009. All right, my friend, I will see you tomorrow. Hey, don't forget, if you want ad-free episodes, go to your app store, download the Stitcher app, join Stitcher Premium, and listen to the show commercial-free. I'm out. Peace. Peace.